Welcome to episode 859 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 859 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Well, you almost forgot your name there for a second. I am uh, pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good. At times I do, John. At times mm. I do. Uh, what's been happening? Be, uh, what's been happening? I'm a bit to- feeling toasty today, Bevan. It's, it's, we started 15 minutes later, or 30 minutes later. It's getting warm out there. Well, I taught class at the gym this morning. I taught a couple of classes and it was pretty hot there. Mm. So, And it's going to be, what, 30 degrees? This week? Yeah. It's Tropical Christchurch. Summer has finally arrived. Tell you what, just for all our Auckland listeners, our hearts go out to you. If you if around the world you may not know this, but Auckland is going through massive flooding, isn't it? It did. I think it made a bit of news like in the UK and stuff. So yeah, it's Auckland is. Hang in there. Yeah, bloody hell. Uh, hearts going out to you. Anyway, let's say thank you to our patrons. Grant, the King of Swing, Richards. We've got lots of kings today because we've got Michael, King of the Castle, Morph. Morpeth. Morpeth. And Damien, the $100 Bill Bennett. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news, Hot Topic of the Week, Age Group of the Week, Coach's Corner. Yeah, we're just going to, I was organising an event at the weekend and it was a very hilly course. So, and I often get questions from athletes, you know, how they should approach the hills. So, I'm going to talk through, if I was racing, sort of my thought process as I go through the race and how to deal and attack those hills. Okay, Neath versus Root. I'm oh, no. sorry, versus Kona courses. We're going to see which one we think the harder course is. Wing of the week, questions and answers at the end. Now, the professional triathlon news. Professional triathlon organization, the PTO, and the US triathlon have announced that PTO US Open will take place in the city of Milwaukee on the 4th and 5th of August 2023. Alongside USA's national championships event. So basically, is that going to be the long course and their sprints for the... I think it's their, I think, could be wrong here. I think it's their Olympic distance racing. In Milwaukee's uh, happy days, isn't it? Is it? Monday, Tuesday, happy happy days. days. I think this is a gold move. Or was that Laverne and Shirley? Sorry? Laverne and Shirley? Happy days was... Okay, I'm going to do a search. It was Richie and... Happy days. Okay, what city was happy days in? Here we go. What (laughs) city was happy days based in set in... Okay, you reckon Milwaukee... Yeah. Okay, let's have a look here. Set in. Okay, let's go, let's go. It is set in Milwaukee. There you go. There you go. Um, I think it's a fantastic move, and it's what we've kind How of been saying. I don't know. You used to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I, I watched that, but I can't remember Milwaukee. Ralph Mouth and. Yeah. yeah. What is Laverne and Shirley? I don't want to know Laverne <laughs> and Shirley. Because weren't they on Happy Days? I don't remember those names. Laverne and Shirley. Jo- wasn't Joni the, Joni the daughter, uh, Richie's sister or something like that? And there was yeah, Ralph Mouth and there yeah. was and, uh, the and, Ginger. Um, and the daughter got did another show with Scott Bayo. Right. Uh, Laverne. Yes, Laverne. Laverne. God knows. Yeah, anyway, we're getting sidetracked this here. Great it's not the Happy Days show, it's triathlon. Uh, and this is an excellent move. We've been talking Milwaukee. about Milwaukee. Laverne is shooting Milwaukee as well. Right. <laughs> so Milwaukee is very popular. Um, but tacking events. Do you think they'll be doing the rest? Hey, let's focus on triathlon. <laughs> uh, tacking these PTO races onto events is going to be great because what was missing was the crowds. We've sort of talked about maybe they should do it at Challenge Rote. Um, but they get big numbers to these Olympic distance championships, yes. Yeah, so we're, hopefully they place it 
after the races, you know, so maybe the, ra- the age group races happen on Saturday, Sunday morning, and then you have the, the elite race Sunday Question. afternoon. Will the long distance race be open to age groupers as well? I have absolutely no idea. Don't ask Well, they have been last year. Uh, good point, actually, because they normally do an age group race that runs alongside it. Yeah. I don't think they will in this case because... So you think it's going to have the PDO race and then the USA will be doing their own Yeah, thing. but that's just a gross guess on my behalf. Okay. I've got absolutely no factual information to back that good. up. So that's how we roll. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, I think this is great. You're going to have good crowds. Uh, it looks like a cool place to race. Timing is... Um, it's going to be interesting because now how the season looks is this race is going to be on August the 4th and 5th. That's the US Open. And then two weeks later, you're going to have the Asian Open. Um, and then One week later. And then if people carry on to go and do the 70.3 Worlds, it's one week later. Um, so in some ways, it flows quite nicely. You know, you maybe go do a training block in the States. You do the race, keep training, move over to Asia, and then carry on to Europe um, if you're going to be doing... It's a lot of training, nice. isn't it? Yeah, but it's part of the gig of, you know, of racing. So, but yeah. if you're in a pro athlete, you wouldn't aim to do a three, would you? I wouldn't have thought so. No. No, no, that would be that would be tough. But I think for the guys, it's quite nice timing. Yeah, if they're doing Nice, World, um, what do we call it now? World Ironman Championships, yep. you know, uh, I think it would work quite well. Um, yeah, so it's good. I've heard a, I've had a little tap on the shoulder and I've heard some inside golf oh, on, on other races. Who tapped the uh, shoulder? I'm not telling oh, you that. Okay, what's the goss? Um, so there's going to be another race announced soon because, you know, we, last year we had the Canadian Open and the US Open. Uh, and we've had the US Open announced and the new Asia race. Yep. Sounds like the can- can- Canadian one's not going to be happening, um, oh, but yeah. there's going to be a European one. And it's uh, and the person who tapped you on the shoulder, did they give you an idea of country? Yes, what but I'm not going <laughs> to divulge that. Oh, come on, Yusuf. <laughs> uh, so, but timing, I think, is really, really good. Does it rhyme with Hermony? Sorry, no, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> what is it, Rome of Hearts? No, I'm not saying anything. Uh, and then there's going to be another race uh, later in the season. So, so wait a second, did they tap you on the shoulder and say when the Collins Cup's happening? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, <laughs> you're a so, dick tease. So, uh, but both those announcements, that I, not that if they're correct, which I'm thinking they probably are, that fits in really nicely. If the Collins Cup's been tapped on your shoulder... Can you give us the time frame? No. Oh, you're, what's the point <laughs> of telling us? It's a tease, Bevan. Oh, you're, oh. But I think what they've done, if that happens, you're like the person who dances on the dance floor, rubs my body up, yeah, and, and I go for the pass. And goes, no, yeah. What's all that about? Yeah. Oh, pick it up. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the, the season is starting to evolve. Hopefully, the announcements on the stuff that I'm not announcing today <laughs> is going to come out soon, so then we can talk about it because uh, I think it'll work out really well. It's going to be a pretty loaded moment of the year, that moment, isn't it? Well, what I think we need to start accepting is we're going to have ra- second tier races where we're not always gonna, we're not going to have the big kahunas yet. The PTO race is a different story. Yep. You know, that's going to be the big guns yep. and the big shows. But you know, when I think about like the um, oh, challenge road. Yeah, or arena games, like I'm thinking short yeah. course. You're not going to get the big rock stars turning up to all of them. And we're going to have to start accepting that the sport's growing. We've got a much, well, the elite base is growing. And a bit like tennis, you know, or those other major yeah. sports. You know, we have a tournament in Auckland and New Zealand. There's tournaments all around the world. They don't get the big guns. Still no. an awesome tournament. You get one big gun. Yeah. And, yeah. and we need to start accepting that, hey, we need to start paying more attention and give more credit to these second-tier athletes. And we can still see some great racing just because Jan Fredino's not racing or the, the Norwegians are not racing. Um, so that's going to be happening more and more. As an average... How many races does a pro do a year? I know, I know, you're gonna get people extremes either side, but as yeah. an average, well, you you would think three Ironmans at most, uh, and then you might do 
three or four seventy point threes. So we're going to say for athletes now, generally speaking, they're probably going to do at least three of the PTOs, aren't they? Yeah, you know, if I'm looking, at, if I was a pro, you're looking at a season, and you're a good pro, you're going, I'm going to do three PTO races, I'm going to do the Collins Cup, I'm going to do, do Kona or Nice or whatever, and, and one, one other, and that's six, and and big money. You might do some other ones for for training days, but you wouldn't be wanting to peak for much more. It'll be interesting to see the championship races in Ironman mm. to see the level of the field there, because if you're doing, let's say you're doing PTO, let's say you do three PTOs. You do seventy point threes. You do the world championship. You're probably just going to turn up some plebe race to qualify. You know what I mean? Like you're probably not going to put too much effort in. But you've st- the, the way that they've structured it, and hopefully this changes. Is you know it's only for fifty. However many people qualify for for Kona or for the world champs, fifty five. Like it's like now you've got this whole day. What you could have as many as you like. Oh, uh, so you actually think get more pros here? Well. Yeah, it, it's still quite hard to qualify as a pro. You know, you've got to go to an Ironman. You've either got to win it or the championship races maybe finish in the That's top three really or good so. Point. We talked about that. Why, have, why now that we do have a one-day event for mm. both the male and female, can't we have 100 pros? Mm, totally. Now, but they're not paying them. Mm. You know, it's not like the, the prize money goes deep. Yeah. So there's, there's but then is there the golden ticket of the qualifying? Yeah, you've got to go and go do an Ironman race and be in reasonable shape. You can't just kind of rock up and, and roll through. So... Yeah, I think. Um, I wonder if we'll see. I want, yeah, that's a really good point. I wonder if we'll see the expansion of more pros in the world championships now because mm. we have an ability to have. Remember Lionel field. Sanders a few years ago, great athlete, and he had to go race hopping yeah. um, just to, to qualify for Kona. And then I can't remember if Kona happened, so I don't, or he either did either that or he did really badly. But you know, it's not that easy to qualify for Kona. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, what has Lionel Sanders done this year? And then I thought, oh, it's only the end of January. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, so um, other news. It's about all the news we've had this yeah. week. So Thorsten did a deep dive in 2022. So have you read this, have you? Oh, no, just scan through. I don't, we, we want people to go and uh, go check out tryrating.com. Dot com. Um, but he's done a deep dive into the triathlon money list for last year. Significant increase on wow. previous years because there was PTO. two world championships was, was a big oh, reason. Okay. Uh, but you've also got some some great PTO money being dished out as well. So Fascinating, isn't it? Because like, if we look at the WT, uh, World Triathlon Corporation, whatever they're called, they distributed between Ironman races and 70.3, basically 4.8 million. PTO distributed plus a prize pool, 5.5. And as you say, we had two world championships in both the 70.3 and the Ironman, or was it just Ironman? No, it was just Ironman. Ironman. So PTO are providing a lot of money to pros. You take away that, you take away $5 million, PTO weren't there. Mm. <sighs> Tough. Everything's getting... Less than, less than half. Yeah. Uh, so and what's what's cool about our sport is of the top 10, you've got six females in there. Um, there's not, I would, I would say, I would argue there's potentially not any other sport in the world that, that has that, which is which is awesome. Uh, unsurprisingly, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden are up on What about top. tennis? Sorry? Tennis. Tennis doesn't have equal prize money, does it? I think it does. Mm, I'm not so sure about okay, that. Yeah. Uh, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden on top. Ashley Gentle, Daniela Reith, Anne Haug. Magnus Ditlev, Chelsea Sidaro, George Taylor Brown, Taylor Nib, and Hayden Wild were your top ten. Um, Boomerfell was taking in four hundred and ninety thousand, four hundred and sixteen for Gustav Eden down to Hayden Wild. Uh, he two hundred and twenty-five thousand. So, um, you know, these okay. guys are going to be making at least that again in endorsements. You would imagine. Um, so, so what is he want? Boomerfell to go in half a mil. Yeah. Yeah. Which you're thinking, you know, like you think you play golf and you're 120th in the world and you get more than that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's funny how our sport 
struggle is and, and golf's not a really interesting sport, mm. but um okay, well, probably in not tennis, p- yeah. In the majors it's mm. equal. Right. Outside it's not. Yeah. And that can be quite quite significant difference. Mm. Sorry, the yeah, the females wouldn't make as much in a year. But what what's interesting is yeah, you go down to fortieth place and someone like Cassandra Bogrand, uh eighty six thousand for fortieth place. So Drop the drop down is pretty pretty steep. So I think you're fortieth best in the world, and it's not that's females and males. So she's probably yeah. say she's twenty best athlete in the world. Yeah, and you're making forty k a year. Uh, Eighty six. Eighty. And again, you'd you'd at least double that. And if you're in a federation stuff, you're getting money there. So you'd maybe say two fifty or something. Which is still, you know that's pretty mm. decent, isn't it? You know, take two fifty, you jump up and down and run around. Um, okay, interesting stuff. So uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to check out what Thorson's writing there. Uh, next up in the show notes, I'm just going back to it here. Uh, we've got a new Tasmania 70.3 is happening this weekend. Now, have you been to Tasmania? I've not, but I've got an uncle that lives there and I should go there and it's supposed to be a bit like New Zealand. It's supposed to be absolutely beautiful. And there's that really amazing muse- um, art place, isn't there? Is there? There's a guy who made lots and lots of money mm-hmm. and he went and bought like some of the best art in the world and yeah and it's, it's quite famous I can't remember what it's called but mm. yeah but looks like a great race um, Braden Curry's heading over there uh, also saw Jack uh, Jake Burt Whistle is a short course guy making a sort of 70.3 oh, really? debut how do you reckon um, he'll go mm, I'm not so sure he'll crush it I'd say Why? Braden Curry uh, he's not stellar on the bike and he's had a big dip in form at sort of uh, world triathlon stuff so. because there was a moment when he came through, when he first came through yeah. we're like this guy's got the goods yeah but I'd love him to surprise me. Um, but his focus will stay on the Olympics. So he's from Tasmania, so hence he's doing it. So really, it's a pretty light news week. We've had the PTO news, and that's about it. Well, racing starts soon. How many weeks is Ironman New Zealand? Oh, Challenge Wanaka's, what, three weeks, two and a half weeks away? And then Ironman's two weeks later, Ironman, is it? And, yep, and I think Ironman South Africa might even be on the same weekend as Ironman New Zealand so this year. It's all go. We had a big discussion last week. What would you do? Would you do the World 70.3 Championships or the PTO Asian Open if you were a pro? They're a week apart, and let's break down this. Do you want to do the discussion first? Uh, no, we'll, go, we'll see what people have got to say. Pedro Acha uh, says, maybe if I really thought I could win the 70.3 World Championships, I would do that. Otherwise, PTO, PTO all the way, it's a job after all. Ironman won't increase pro prize purses unless they feel they have to. Kudos doesn't pay the bills. Okay, good old Joel Bell's got PTO race. If I'm not likely to be in the top three at the 70.3, assuming I don't have some kind of sponsored obligations. Mick Simpson, listening to Joe Skipper the other day, uh, he does a podcast. It seems that uh, he's all on the PTO races, except for maybe Nice. Um, personally, I'd love to see it really take off. That's interesting from someone like Joe Skipper, who is not the greatest uh, over the half Ironman distance. Yeah, Ironman, he's a weapon, yeah. um, but he obviously wants to get him behind the PTO races, which is great. David Manley's got, if I wasn't genuinely thinking I could win the champs, I'd be in Asia. Uh, Peter Cold, Paul Coldridge, wherever I could make the most money unless I had a chance of a podium just for future sponsorship. Graham Gold's got, um, if you are a professional, it's about earning a living, so the agent open makes much more sense, and the PR you get is increasing, so added benefits too. 70.3 don't need pros to make money, they work on age groupers and do put the world-class events on, but as a pro, the prize money fund is embarrassing, and the exposure you get in PR is limited. If you want to earn a good living, you should chase the events where you can earn the most money for your efforts. 
That's what I'll do um, because all the answers here are pretty much the same. Uh, Richard Slater says PTO races pay better, but the scarcity of world champs makes them more meaningful and creates deeper fields. In the future, people will remember when Eden won Nice or Nib won in St George, but they won't remember um, that Colin Chartier and Ash Gentle won the US Open in 2022. I'd agree with that um, to a point, but I think you're going to find the PTO races are going to have deeper fields than the world champs this year. Uh, to, uh, Toby Chanel has got the top top tier that have enough sponsorship money behind them and or have a legitimate shot at the top five in the three point three plus all total newbies that want to get some more championship experience under their races should go to Finland. The broader field will follow the dollar to Singapore. Should be a good race. Jombo, what would you do? Um, I would almost definitely go to... Singapore and race the Asian Open. The only exception would be that if I really thought I could win the World Championships or have the very strong chance for a podium. Um, the PTO is better money. Uh, I think that, well, I would certainly feel like I've got a loyalty to the PTO. You know, yeah, they've been looking definitely. after us for the last Five million this year. few years yeah. and, uh, and A, putting up big money for this race. You'd also hopefully feel like you're helping to change the direction of the sport by getting in behind them because these races need to have stacked fields and yep. need to have really good racing. And, uh, you know, what a lot of us when I used to race, and I, and I really was not that good, was a case of I'd be trying to cherry pick, trying to find the weakest fields with the best money, yep. and that's how I'd race. When you talk to the top athletes, they're generally going, I want to race the strongest athletes. The money is secondary yep. for them. They want the it's, biggest challenge, don't they? I want the challenge. Yeah. I want to stack myself up against the best, and I think the PTO race will have a stronger field. Um, when I look at the 70.3, at the moment, it does carry more prestige if you get a podium. Um, winning definitely m- means quite a bit. Uh, and the only other reason for doing the 70.3 would be less travel if you're based in Europe. So you might say, I'm not going to do that race. I'm going to stay in Europe. I'm going to train and I'm going to do the 70.3s over here and uh, and then get ready for, for Nice, more, more in particular if you're a guy. So for me, there's a couple of things. I think you, you, if you're the winner, that's great. If you're not, I don't even think podium's that important for 70.3. Not, you know, come yeah. on, name name the top name third place from five years ago. Uh, uh, oh no, I've got that as a question of the week this week. Name it from last year. <laughs> yes, like, you know, like you know, so like the winner takes it all, as mm. Eber once brilliantly mm. said. Um, and so, to me, unless I'm really and, and you know, we know the top four guys who are going to turn up to mm. all females who turn up to that race. If I'm not one of those, unless they're not turning up and they're doing the PTO race. Mm. I'm going to PTO. And I think one thing that's really interesting is that people are saying the PTO doesn't have that prestige. Mm. And we think back to Charles, what was this? Elmo? Charles Adamo. Adamo. He always, the, the, the vision he had, and I think they're still trying to do this vision, is that it's like tennis, where you have mm. the Australian, the Wimbledon, the US, mm. and, and the French Open. And over time... It will be important. Yeah, like over time, mm. we will... We'll, now if they can hit their markers. Because hmm. what it needs to be is that those events need to get to the point where general public actually know about them. Now, hmm. that's a pretty big hurdle to overcome. Oh, yeah. But if they do get to that level, you would argue that that's going to be just as prestigious. Now, at the moment, it's not. So as much as I'm saying, hopefully in the future, those four events can be kind of events that are publicly known around the world. Um, at the moment, it's not. And so for prestige, 70.3 definitely wins it. But if, I'm only going if I'm if I really quite confident I'm going to win, mm. you know. But you, you talk there about trying to get the general public 
to be aware of this. We need to get the entire triathlon public and the sporting public. Yeah, it's true. Because, you know, I would say the only race that just about all triathletes will care about is the Olympics in Kona. You know, um, and that's it. Now, do you think they'll care about Nice? Uh, not as much as Kona, no. But that that might take that will take time. I think that's probably in the same bracket as these US Open yeah. things like that. Um, it'll still make the news, but it won't be as as, well, good that, as Kona. And that was fascinating thing back to the US Open last year because we got a lot of feedback from people who lived in the area, mm. and even their triathlon clubs didn't know about the event. Mm. And like, well, what's all that about? Yeah. You know, because it's like this is. It, arguably one of the biggest organisations in our sport now. Mm. They go into a local area and the local people didn't even know about it or they were choosing in another event over it. So, yeah, there is a lot of pathway in front of them before they're going to get to that point where they can have these prestigious races. But at, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone outside of the top one in, in the world 70.3s gets to prestige. Yeah. They might get some sponsorship bonuses. Mm. But would you get that in PTO as well? That, I maybe think it'll take yet. a bit of time. Yeah. Like I'm thinking maybe not at this stage, but maybe next year. And that's the thing is the job of the PTO right now is to make their events more prestigious. Mm. Now getting great fields, making the races interesting, that's what they're doing. But we've also got to think of how do they make their television product better? How do they you know, how do they reach a bigger audience? And as you're saying right now, even just the key triathlon audience, mm. you know, and that's people who are in the sport now. Even people who have done the sport in the past and have a passing interest in the sport, what makes them go? I want to watch this Asian Open, mm. you know. And, and as they move to that area, or if they get to that level, and they have the prize money, then it's a different beast. Yeah. But again, if I was a Fredino, I'd be doing a seven point three. If I was like a Braden Curry, I'd mm. be doing PTOs. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yep, that would be where I'd be sitting. Um, okay, this week's discussion. Oh no, Mount Mountainsale. He sent through an email this morning just saying whether you. Ask Cam when, when you ask Cam about three about seventy point three versus PTO, he would always say he'd sacrifice all of his New Zealand wins for one win at Kona. So, yeah, I might uh, ask him what he would, what he would do if he was uh, the younger Cameron Brown. Would he go to the seventy point three? Cam was never or? an amazing Stephen. No, no, he was no. more of a nightmare, wasn't he? Okay, this but, I guess I guess Mount Snow's point here. If you win the US Open or the Asian Open, and maybe you win at five five different events all, all around the place, would you give that up for one seventy point three world title? So I think at the moment you would, mm. but I, if they can build the prestige of those races, so they are like that tennis major mm. events, then maybe in the future it's a different story. Mm. But I, yeah, I, I, and you'd be way richer for that. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I remember, and I always go back to this Molina's thing about Greg Bennett. I think it was Greg Bennett. He said. Because Greg never did Ironman, did he? No. Yeah. And Molina was like, he doesn't necessarily understand the, the legacy of winning Kona. You mm. know, like, Greg Bennett's a well-known athlete, but mm. he's not known as, as like a Molina, is he? Mm. Yeah, so. Mm. Okay, uh, this week's discussion. What is the best bike ride in a race or in training that you've done anywhere in the world? I think I was riding along yesterday or the day before or somewhere going, this is a nice bike ride. I wonder what the best bike ride in the world you've where, ever done. Where were you? Uh, I can't remember. I think I was probably riding along Summit Road or something so like memorable. that. So memorable. But no, I was just thinking of discussion to- topics and uh, and I thought that will, that will be a good one. See, give, give people a bit of travel road. advice. Okay. Let's go into 
Age group of the week. Okay, this time we're going to be looking at the back end of the age groups and both the male or just the females. Females at the Ironman World Championships last week. We were sort of giving a bit of love to the men that raced on the Thursday race uh, and the women up to, we think, about the 55 age group. So we're just going to give a bit of love and some respect to those that raced in the age groups, uh, the older female age groups this week. So, Bevan, you kick off with the 55 to 59s. 55, 55, 9 females. Um, and that is okay. We've got Yvonne Timewell from Canada, took it out in 11 07 19. And then we had Donna K. Nest and Janelle Van der Wright from South Africa. The Canadians, you just mentioned a couple of Canadians there, they are dominating in these older age groups. The 60 64 women that Canada went one, two, and four. Wow. Uh, Sharon McKinnon took it out 12 25, close racing, too. Only a minute 10 covering first and second. Wow. And they're both, both called Sharon, and they're both from Canada. Good old Shares. <laughs> and third was, so second was Sharon McDowell Larson, and third was Siobhan Kennedy from Ireland. But yeah, really close racing. Only 13 minutes covering the top four. Well, interestingly, if you go to 65 to 69 females, Donna Smyers took it out. She was a US, but in the top 10, there were three Canadians as well. Mm. So, and it was um, Jane McLeod got second. Uh, so, Donna did a 12.22.38. Uh, Jane did a 12.35.09. And then Michelle Allison from New Zealand. Oh, yeah. right. No. No. Well, she got third in a 12.46.14. I have so. a feeling that Donna Peters. What was her name? Donna Smyers. Donna Smyers might be Karen Smyers' sister, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. Uh, and the. Canadians cranking it again in the 70 74 age group. They got third, second, and then they're down about 10th. But Missy Lestrange took that out. She wins it pretty great much name. every year. Uh, Missy Lestrange. This sounds like a murder mystery. She went 13 54 and won by about uh, nearly 40 minutes. But she's the one she likes. Missy is a great athlete, one Kona and loads of events okay, so over the years. Icon. icon. But you probably remember. Um, I think Greg Welsh maybe tried to interview her once and she was trying to grab the mic and, oh. and you always said, you never give the athlete, you never give the, athlete, athlete the mic. mic. You hold on to that mic for all it's worth because you've lost control. <laughs> they take the mic. You can't get, especially if you get a waffler. <laughs> you know, you never let them get the mic. <laughs> it's like, let's fight. Don't do it. No. There's two things you don't want to do. They don't give them the mic or the person who speaks quietly. Yes. You know, you're doing a post-race interview. Go shove yeah. it up their nose. How was your mate? And they go, oh, you know, I had a really good day. And you speak louder, speak louder. And they're holding it out there. Yeah. Bloody peasants. Okay, in the time, in the age group of 75 to 79, we only had four finishes. Oh, no, we actually only had two finishes. So, uh, Cherie Gulfield from America in 1620. And then Natalie Grabo in 1648. Nice. Do we, have any, do we, we have do any? not have any in the 80s. We're so, uh, Well, jeepers, that'll be impressive no. if we skip a whole age group. What about females 90 plus? Do we have any men 90 plus? Did we look at that last week? Yeah, no, I don't think we did. No. But it's kudos to Ironman for having that category. How, how long do you reckon it's going to be before we see a centurion do an Ironman? A centurion, that's not happening. You no? get, you get, yeah, you get them doing maybe Olympics and halves and stuff, maybe not a centurion. There was, but there was one that did the marathon, wasn't there? The Indian it? guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 like, it took him seven hours. Mm. A week. Mm. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> um, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but um, I seem to remember there was a, I think it was he 90 did the Kona 70.3. Okay, do I don't think he finished. Um, 
but I'm pretty sure he started a Japanese dude. Okay, let's do your prediction. Oldest Ironman finisher. I'm going 87. Well, it's got an attempt. Yeah, an attempt is not a finish. There's no there's no badges for uh for just giving it a crack. Uh oldest man plans to. So okay, the oldest man is eighty five mm. in three hundred and twenty eight days, so nearly mm. eighty six. Mm. And he was planning to do it in his nineties, but I don't think oh no. Oldest eighty seven, oh no. Is that what I said? Prepares yeah. No, it's all about preparing. Yeah. Oldest I mean gearing up for doesn't talk about their face. <laughs> no, no. Mid eighties. Mid eighties. Can you impressive. imagine? No, I can't. No. Oh, bloody impressive. Okay. Uh, let me go back to my show notes. Where are Coaches corner. corner. Riding in the hills. Well, I organised a race at the weekend, the Canterbury mm. Classic. Very hilly. It's a we, tough course. It's a tough course, and we had we did have some a number of seventy uh, year old athletes in there. Uh, Who took it out? We had Saxon Morgan take it out, very much unchallenged. No, the seven-year-olds. Oh, the seven-year-olds. I think Sharon Prutton took out one of the seven-year-olds. Nice. And I think Grant Jeffries might have been on the guy's side. Go, your legends. Uh, so this is about as hard a course as you can get anywhere in the world uh, in terms of the profile of the bike. You come out of the swim, the nasty, nasty <laughs> run up <laughs> the hill. Uh, and then the bike ride, basically all hills. The middle part of the ride, you have about... How far is that? Maybe 4K of flat yep. each way, but the rest of the ride is just basically not, not like climbing from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. Spiky, mm. two minutes, three minutes, yeah. heart rate max kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's... And and the run is really up and down as well with, with, with lots of little uh, pinches and, yeah, you very little flat. So I was kind of thinking, lots of athletes ask me, how do I approach these hills when I'm racing? So I thought, I'll go through it. If I was in this race, what I'd be doing. The swim, there's not a lot of hills in the swim, um, but at our race at the weekend, we decided to add in a bit of distance there uh, <laughs> just for fun. We had a bit of a mozzer in the swim, um, and it was a little bit long, just just a little bit. Uh, but athletes took it in their stride, and then went out on the bike course. So first thing I've got to say, if you're doing a hilly bike course, doing some recon is really important in trying to know the course. So most of the advice I'm going to give below is uh, for courses that have relatively short climbs, you know, one to four minutes, um, and rather than, say, like an Ironman Canada or some of those races, they have really long grinding hills. They do have some shorter, sharper ones, um, but this is an advice for, for that sort of stuff. So main thing is, is... Uh, when you're approaching the hill, you've got a strategy in, in place, so especially if you can't see the top of the climb. Uh, so if you know you're going to be going into the small chain ring, um, what I'll be doing is I'm approaching the hill, start shifting down your rear cassettes and making it harder to pedal. You're overgearing and you're lowering your cadence down. So then when you do hit that hill, you've got the ability to go into your small chain ring and there's not, not that massive big uh, change between uh, your sort of pedaling actions. So... Main tips when you go into your small chain ring, um, you can't have too much pressure going through your pedals. So my number one thing is, especially if it's on steep hills, you do not want to be changing out of your big chain ring to your small chain ring mid-climb mid when you haven't got any choice but to put quite a bit of pressure through your pedals. So um, yeah, when you Going into the hill, if it's a shallow incline, you can wait a little bit and maybe change out your big chain ring. But if it's going to be a steep climb, you always want to be out of your big chain ring before you really start that, that climb, uh, just so to avoid uh, that massive big drop and also reduces the risk of dropping your chain. 
Um, when you're going up these climbs, I would be thinking I'm generally trying to stay seated. You're exerting a lot less energy when you're doing that. And when you do get out of your seat, before you, you jump out of your seat, you always want to change your gear um, one or two gears harder. So that you, you, when you stand up, you're not just going to start spinning out straight away. And then when you sit back down, you've got that ability to, to change back into some slightly easier gears. And the other thing I'll be thinking about is trying to put an even effort across the climb. So mo not most, a lot of athletes, um, when if they look at their power on a climb, which you often don't on short hills, will have a massive spike in effort at the top of the bottom of the climb. It'll be quite high, and then it'll just progressively drop off. Um, so it's natural for you to have a bit of a spike at the bottom, but you want to be trying to keep a relatively even power output through the climb, and you need to practice that a lot in training so then you're not having to stare at your power meter when you're, um, when you're in a race setting. Uh, next thing I'll be thinking about is cresting the hill. So trying to be strong over the top. It's where you can make up really big time on um, other athletes because, as I said, they're often slowing down as they get towards the top of the climb. So I'm thinking be strong over the top. As you crest the climb, shift into a t couple of gears harder quite quickly really get your speed up fast and then get yourself into your big chain ring uh, and get going fast and then try to think about whether or not you can recover. Descending, um, I'm thinking be as aggressive as possible without doing anything too crazy stupid. Um, I'm thinking about trying to carry as much speed as possible through the corners. So cutting through the apex, if you can start wide if there's not going to be any traffic on the road, cutting through the apex and then going wide out the other side and really trying to carry the speed as much as possible looking through the corner so you're trying to look where you're going to not where you are um, because it's really easy to lose as much time on the descents as you gain on the climbs. Uh, in this particular race we had at the weekend there's quite a few down and then up so you're yeah. coming down a climb boom you're straight into the next one um, and what you see a lot of athletes do in those cases is you have these massive spikes in power so you're coming down you're in your big chain ring and you're one of your biggest gears and then you start going up the other one and it's all fantastic you're carrying really good speed uh, and you're still in your big chain ring and then all of a sudden it gets steep and you're in, a, in all sorts of bother so again it's all about having a plan and so what I'd be doing on those down and ups is yeah, getting into a big gear um, but I'd be getting out of that big gear quite quickly at the bottom of the climb before I've had to put huge pressure through through the pedals because yeah it's just bloody hard getting out of your big chain ring when you when you're on a really steep incline um, when it comes to power on the type of course we had at the weekend with pretty short climbs as Bevan said sort of you know anywhere from maybe two to five minutes or something like that um, and if there are steep like this one there was in these types of races power as you're working up because it's only 40k are you just trying to blast yourself uh you're trying to avoid those big spikes so this is the stuff you want to practice in training so you don't have to stare at your power meter all the way through but you don't want to be because it is only 40k mm. so it's not like you're trying to hold a power like you would in an ironman is it no but it's avoiding those massive spikes yep. so anything you know when you start going above significantly above ftp for long periods of time then that's going to come back to, to bite you later on but main thing with the power is yeah you want to be riding hard um but you don't want to spend a huge time above FTP and you've got to practice riding hard and training so then you don't have to stare at your power meter. You go, I know what this feels like. And then you can just be intermittently checking your power meter to make sure you're not spiking too much. But you don't want to go, right, next climb I'm going to ride at... 250 watts it's like I'm going to ride to feel and as long as I'm in the right ballpark that's okay but I want to avoid say going above 300 watts or something like that so 
learning to ride those hills and training is really important and learning to put out a fairly even out even output through the climbers is, is crucial as well so the big no-nos for me if I'm thinking about this race things I really want to avoid doing is being in the big chain ring um, uh, f- when I'm sort of in the steep parts of the climbs uh, and being in the big chain ring and the easiest gear on the back so big on the front and your easiest gear on the back creates this huge angle uh, you risk sort of slamming your rear derailleur into your into your um, wheel a little bit but also if you get into trouble and you need to come out of your big chain ring there's a much much higher chance that you're going to drop your chain so I'm thinking I never want to get to the situation where I'm big chain ring on the front and easier scare in the back uh, I also want to avoid changing from big to small chain ring when you're on the um, hard part of the, the climb and I want to, I want to avoid uh, you know really attacking climbs so you might ride small climbs a bit harder and get out of your seat but I always want to think I'm not going to absolutely attack it and say for me you know that might be I don't want to go above 500 watts which is quite easy to do you know on a small incline you go I'm really going to attack and get over this yeah you might gain a few seconds by doing that but it'll probably come back to to bite you later on so you always want to carry as much momentum into those uh, smaller hills it's okay to get out of the seat and get over them fairly fairly aggressively, but not within you know like an all-out sprint just to, to to keep your speed up. So that's sort of the bike. When it comes to the run, my main things I'm thinking about on a hilly course is uh, not maxing out on the climbs, short steps, um, pushing over the top. So pretty similar advice to the bot the the bike, and then on the downhills, really trying to open up, let the arms go wide and sort of flap and just lean forward and let gravity take you down the climbs um, or down the descent and then really focusing once you get on the flat to get back into your back into your rhythm as quickly as possible rather than taking opportunities to recover so if you do want to find a tough race come over and do the Canterbury Classic next year uh, if you're anywhere in New Zealand or if you're far further afield it's about as hard as it gets what about um drafting up a hill well Tom we were discussing that this morning actually Tom Somerville who's one of our local elite athletes he went and did the uh, told on a half Ironman uh, the weekend before. Unfortunately, got a puncher. Okay. Um, but he was still talking. Did you about listen to our show? Uh, he sometimes does because well, uh-huh. he would have got tips. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, but I said, "Oh, how was that race ranger thing?" And we're probably going to have a chat to Dylan McNeese in a couple of weeks' time. He's sort of involved in in that um, business. The race ranger's that drafting detection yep. s- system. He said, oh, "It was really fantastic." Yeah, oh, I, really? I, I can't remember the the different things that happen. Yeah, you know, it starts flashing if you get in a certain zone, and then it turns a different color if you're in the draft zone. And okay. he said it was um, it's really really good. Uh, but then when I'm walking out of the car with my Tom, he sort of said, oh, what about when it comes to hills? It must be really hard um, yeah. not, not to draft. And I said, well, you know, technically, when you're, it is hard because the person in front, if you're at 10 metres, they hit the hill, boom, yeah, you'll ride straight yeah. into their draft yeah. zone. And technically, you need to ride straight past them because you've got 20 seconds to get past. But in effect, you'll normally find that the technical officials are going to be somewhat lenient, lenient in yeah. the hills and, and common sense prevails. But it can get extremely frustrating if you're uh, if you have somebody that really speeds up and slows down and things like that well and, and like the course you did last weekend which is very kind of short blocks mm. there is an advantage to jumping with someone will at the bottom of the hill and just mm. try to use the to pull you up and and to get a better recovery on the downhills yeah. yeah if you can jump on someone's wheel you know and be in a reasonable distance yeah you get a you'll be then you can probably they might have to pedal and you can probably freewheel behind them so yeah big advantage and there's a big advantage when yeah you roll off the hill to be in that slipstream and then you can yeah. kind of slingshot past yeah. them um so we don't condone drafting but there's uh it does make a difference even in the hills not going uphill so much though 
No, no, no. It kind of separates people, doesn't it? If you, mm. It shows ability, doesn't it? Okay, let's look at Kona versus nice. nice. So what we're looking at here is, obviously we've got the men's championships happening in Nice this year, and Kona is the female's championship. So we're kind of just looking at what's the difference between the two courses. Uh, now, did you, your research on this? Pretty quick. But did you, have you spoken to it? Um, no, but I've obviously done Kona. I've been to Nice, I've swum in Nice, I've run on the course, okay, so the run's flat, and I've, I've sort of biked in the area, not done the actual race in, in the course. But the, re- the rationale, this, the reason this came up was because uh, this week we had athletes in New Zealand um, that raced Ironman New Zealand in December, yep. and there was also athletes, I think, that probably did Ironman Western Australia and maybe some other late season races. So a few other things popping up on Facebook. You got the option this week if you want to do Kona or Nice. So you had to choose if you've Mate, got a qualifying spot. Wait, but do you get to choose this year or next year? Yeah, so you get to go. You got a, you got a qualifying spot to the World Championships. Yep. You can either go Nice this year or you can go Kona twenty twenty four. Really? So it's a great position to be. And if you go and want to go to Kona now, from here forward, is it you going to Nice? Yes. Okay, so those people until oh, it was no, actually, I won't say that factor. I would imagine that's the case. Okay, so what we're thinking is that before it's been announced, because they were racing, not knowing where the race is going to be. Mm. Before it was announced, if you're there, you get the choice of this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we're assuming that from this moment forward, if you qualify, you're going to Nice for the men, you're going to Kona for females. And you won't get so. the next year option. No, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they did that because otherwise well, yeah, no. most people would go to Kona, you yeah, would think. Yeah. Okay, so what we'll do is I'll talk Kona because I've been there. You could talk Nice. So mm. beautiful things about Kona, the swim is beautiful mm. it really is a you see fish and turtles mm. uh you're looking around the beautiful the beautiful views non-wetsuit non-wetsuit which i don't know guaranteed every year yeah mm-hmm. good or bad uh, i'd rather have a wetsuit myself it sucks if you're a kiwi or you've come from a place where you never use a swim skin ever again in your life yeah and you've got to go and shell out 500 bucks and, and also i swam slower without a wetsuit mm. yeah, if a week of swimmers it sucks yeah yeah so that for me i'd, I'd prefer to have a wetsuit uh you can get the swells mm-hmm. which can happen there also it's a deep water start which i love i mm. think it's really cool uh and, and you can mean, get the swells again <laughs> yeah but i decided <laughs> to put that in twice i don't know why <laughs> so that's that's kona kona's but also the other thing about kona which i imagine these were the same the the the, the kind of the what would you call it the amphitheater Mm. of the start mm. you know where you got everyone kind of right around the beachfront all watching the start the crowds the helicopter you know at least we have the same things yeah would it, would it be a good crowd set up oh yeah okay yeah. okay so but that is one of the special things about kona yeah uh nice it's you've got a stony beach start uh i don't, I don't know about in september I'd imagine it'd be a wetsuit swim i'd imagine it could be borderline for pros i'm not quite really? sure is it that, that warm yeah, you're in the mid. It's pretty warm. Like in okay. the middle of middle in of summer, uh, yeah. it, I would say there's a chance, high chance it would be a non-wetsuit. Is Nice September. pretty hot? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, not stupidly hot. Not Hawaii hot. Yeah, not Hawaii hot. Um, but in September, I'm thinking maybe not wetsuit, but I don't really know about that. You definitely can get some swells there. You know, it's a beach in the mid. It's, it's a probably somewhat similar to Kona. You know, you're not really going to get these waves crashing in or anything like that, but you can certainly get some some good swell or some chop. Um, it's a beach start, what well, it normally is, and they may change that, I'm not quite sure, but that kind of adds a nice 
just a small skill element to it. It's not like a long running beach start. You are you know, into the water pretty quickly. Um, but it does probably just help things just break up ever so yep. slightly potentially. You, know, you can cock things up pretty easily. Uh, and it's got a cool backdrop. You know, Bevan talked about Kona having a cool backdrop, and it does. Nice is, is much the same. You know, it's, um, you've got that, you're in the French Riviera. You've got, you know, the hills behind you. And, um, it's still a cool place to swim. Much better than, you know, if they'd chosen a location which was like a, a lake swim in the middle of nowhere, then, um, yeah, the Nice swim will still be really nice. So, question I have for you. I would do better in a swimming niece if I could use a wetsuit. Mm. Does this change the pro race much? If there's wetsuit, yeah, they're yeah. likely to stay together a lot, a lot more. So. Yeah, so like a skipper, like, mm. you know, Keenley's probably past it now, but, you know, mm. that type of athlete, is this going to be better for them? Does that actually change the race much? It, uh, it does a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's double-edged, you know, good swimmers don't necessarily like wearing wetsuits. They just lose their feeling a bit. And weaker swimmers get more of an advantage from them. So, yeah, it would definitely concertina that sort of group up more. I don't know if it'll be a complete game changer, but, I mean, in kind of the shit. Because often in this bike, that first group gets a couple of minutes away, and it, mm. that's an advantage because it's a bigger pack. Mm. Um but in kind of this year, we saw some pretty big numbers coming out of that swim together. Yeah. You, know, you can really lose the race, you know, the, the likes of Joe yeah, Skipper and people it. like you're that. You're not going to win it, but you can lose um, it, eh? yeah. But that, that main pack was was pretty ginormous. So it might be that just a few more people make the big main pack. Okay, let's look at the Kona bike. So first of all, it's pretty straight line riding uh, for most part. It's pretty boring. Yeah. You know, like it, it's it pretty cheap. straight line riding. Straight, straight line riding, and you basically just got lava fields to the side. There's a couple of moments where you're not, you're not in the lava fields, like when you're in town and when you're at the turnaround. But basically it's... Aero riding. Get on your bars. You've got ups and downs. A little bit rolling, but no hills. Mm. You know. Um, then we're also going to say that elements play, play a massive part. We haven't seen so much of it in the last period of time. So the heat's always going to be a factor. Mm. Really, the last time the wind was a major factor was basically the year I did it. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is 2004. So that when they changed the race for a few weeks later, it seems that the elements haven't been mm. such a, such a player in the game. Love to see it. Yeah, it would be awesome. We had a crazy windy, windy day again, but definitely the heat factor. And the other factor is the lava fields and the Tarsil roads. The heat coming up, mm. so you're getting smashed by the heat in both directions. Uh, the bike skills are not a factor, with the exception of the Hawaii Howie uh, descent. Uh, and that, that's only when it's really windy. You know, you can see some of the good, really good guys absolutely smash that descent and get a breakaway uh, and use their bike skills there. But if it's not a really windy day... But do you think pros... I know age groupers, but do you think pros... Surely they Oh, no. no you see guys that are weapons, uh, like, you know, maybe you see a Sebastian Keenlay, they yep. just attack that downhill. And yeah, they're going harder, but they've also that just that small level of skills and balls to do it. Yeah, it's big. And similar it's a risk to, factor, isn't it? Yeah, someone like a Lucy Charles who, you know, don't mean to pick on her, but she's got really poor bike skills. If you had a female that's got really, really good ones, uh, if you're going to try to make a breakaway, you're going to go... That's what I'm doing if I'm with her. Okay, elevation over the whole ride within Kona is 1,336 metres. Uh, when you go to Nice, it's got uh, you know a lot more character in terms of riding through you know small French villages and just ups and downs and changing terrain. So yeah, m- more of a bike ride. There's still it's still a lot of time on your your arrow bars, but it's more of a bike ride with changing terrain than just a, a straight out sort of TT. So is it going to be a lap? Um, 
I don't know the answer to that. I think it's normally just one, okay. but I'm not 100% sure on that. Mm. Uh, so bike schools can make a significant difference, um, both with the ascending and the descending, um, and we've seen that before. Uh, I think I mentioned last year, I think it was Rudy Von Berg when they had 70.3s, he made a real big attack. Slightly different story, he actually lives in that area, so he knows the course like his back of his hand. Okay. Um, but there's definitely that opportunity if you did want to try to make a big attack. Um, it sounds like there'll be places to do that. 2,400 metres of elevation, so it's you know it's nearly double what you're getting in Kona, which is fantastic. Yeah. Hopefully, might break the race up a little bit. Um, I think it'll be easier to get away. It'll still be really hard. You know, the groups will stay together pretty well, you imagine. Um, but it'll be quite a bit harder to pass. I think the roads will be a lot narrower um, and twisty and windy. So you know, for those pros, could be could be fairly difficult to to get past the groups. When we look at the Kona Run, um, it definitely the weather plays a massive factor, especially for the pros, because they're kind of hitting it at that peak time of the day for the sun. Um, there's lots of explosions. There mm. really is, isn't there? Mm. Um, a lot more rolling than the TV indicates. And that's so true, isn't it? Because you go along Alihi Drive, but outside Alihi, you're kind of going up and down. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of rolling. And it just, what's, that, what's that little... That little a, a Palani, like Palani. you see that on TV. But but the rest of the time when you're watching on TV, it doesn't really do it justice. It is quite lumpy. Nothing hard, no. except for Palani. Um, but it's certainly a lot more rolling. But when you're doing a race think. in those types of conditions where cramping's on mm. the verge, it can definitely be a bit of a killer. Even coming down Palani at the end. Oh, yeah. You know? Brutal. You know, so um, anything else about the run? 307 metres of elevation. The nice thing about the run is it is interesting. Yeah, I'd debate that. <laughs> well, you know, because you've got different parts. Uh, yeah. Elite, it's not, you know, it's not Elite, it's not the bike. Yeah, Elite Drive is, is interesting. Once you get onto the uh, Queen K, it's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you go sort. out and you come back into the crowds. I don't yeah. know. Like, it's, it's not just the same thing. Oh. Uh, when you go to Nice, uh, unless they change the course, it's Pancake Flat. Advantages and disadvantages to that, you know, you're using the same muscle groups the whole way through, um, which can can make it tough. Uh, I think in Nice, both on the bike and the run, you'll get significantly um, more crowd support um, because you don't have those limitations. And Kony can't even get out onto the bike course, and on the, and, and equally on the run, you can't see you know any of the stuff out there when the you're on the Queen K. Uh, so I think there'll be a lot more crowd support. I imagine it'll be at least a a couple of laps on there. Uh, the weather is looks like it's a lot more moderate when you get into September. Uh, temperatures in the mid twenties, which is sort of sixty to seventy five percent. So overall, you know, Nice is going to be um, the factors are not going to be the, the the elements is not going to be a bigger factor. Um, there's going to be a little more skill come into it on on the bike. Uh, so it's going to be a great race. Do you know, what I, you know, talking through this definitely makes me really interested to see what happens in the race because. Mm. It's enough where the dynamic of the race can be slightly different. So let's mm. just say that we, we do thing. Mm. So like a Joe Skipper, let's say he's just a little bit further ahead and the bike's a little bit more technical and a bit more challenging. You know, like someone like Joe, you would argue is probably going to do better in, a, in like a niece than mm. maybe in a Kona. Totally. You know, and so it, it, it just changes the dynamic enough to make it interesting as we look, you know, it's not a pancake flat. You know, there's enough there that's going to go... Maybe we see a different type of race. It's going to be a lot more similar to what we saw in St. George, which really wasn't drastically different to Kona. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be different scenery. But that's not true. Like yeah. Braden Curry. Yeah, he did well. You know? He's done well in Kona as well. Sam Laidlow, though, he was in that breakaway and yeah. it's sort of similar thing. Um, yeah, there was because in, in St. George, there was that front group that broke 
and then the same thing happened in Kona. Granted, there was some slightly different athletes in each time, but it was that sort of front group of four or five that got away. And I know Sam Laidlow had the big break, but yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good race, and it's going to create a lot more chatter than getting ready for Kona, where you're more than likely going to have the same protagonists, um, yeah, hitting them out there. Okay, let's go. Pro of the week. We need to include what? How long are we going for? Yeah, no, we need. We do. We need. We're short. <laughs> we've got to get content. an hour. Um, okay, first of all, we're going to talk about Jocelyn McCauley. I got random.org random to bust out a couple of numbers. We've got number 16 in the females and number 73 in the males. Okay, so Jocelyn McCauley, she's been around for a while now, hasn't she? She has. She doesn't like to train or race on it, so it's obviously a religious thing on Sundays. Um, we interviewed her, didn't we? We did. Yeah. So episodes. 456 and episode 556, which was quite a long time ago. What are we up to today? 859. Yep. So 300-odd episodes ago. Uh, let's look at her career. So, so um, I actually just popped onto her, I think it was on her Facebook feed um, when I was having a look at this. She's had a bit of a rough old time lately. She's oh, really? like literally just had two operations and she was going into a, a hyperbaric chamber to oh, really? recover. I'm not actually sure. One of them, I think one of them might have been her shoulder. I'm not sure what the other one was. Uh, but she's had a real rough old time. She, she was going all right last season. Um, you know, I reckon she's this. one of the most underrated athletes. Some of the performances she's put out over the years have been awesome, in particular when she won Ironman New Zealand. Um, and I remember when we interviewed her that I said, you know, I said, your career sometimes you're absolutely smoking it on the run you know she's going well under three hours and sometimes she's sort of in that sort of 310 to 320 range I sort of said what what's the reason for that she just came straight out and she goes it's where I'm at with my um, with my cycle and oh uh, really and so if I'm in the right place I run well if I'm not I run badly and she's working on that and I I actually when I scrolled through her Facebook page she had another mention of that um, some of the races she did this season she was trying to overcome it and she was seeking quite a bit of advice as to what she should be doing and sort of found some science that said you know you should be still be able to perform pretty well um but yeah look she's had a bit of a rough old time so hopefully she comes back and gets back to her form of 2019 because um last season she still had a great race at Ironman Texas she took that out in uh, eight hours and 58 and when you do a sub nine nothing to to, no. to complain about she had a 10th uh 11th at the Canadian Open a 7th at the P uh the US Open and she had a really good race at the Collins Cup I remember watching her um her performance over there, and she was a, a last-minute call-up from memory, uh, and put on a really good, uh, really good race. Obviously, through sort of COVID and stuff, it was a bit of a shitter. She didn't get much racing done, and by the pictures I could see on Facebook, she's had another child. Which I don't know how old. She probably looked like she was maybe one-ish, one maybe oh, yeah, okay. between what she had. It. She's got another child that looked maybe about ten-ish or something like that. Okay. Um, so another racing mum. But yeah, I always point back to Ironman New Zealand when she went uh, eight. 53, I think that was a course record. I don't know if it still is. In 2019, she swam 52, biked 457 and ran a 258. And then she went over to Ironman Texas, um, sort of just a, a little bit after that. And she had that great race with Daniela Reef. Ended up only uh, two minutes behind Daniela Reef, ran, again running a 259. And they sort of swam together, biked together. And then uh, Daniela Reef managed to just get away from her on the bike. And then it was like another 20 minutes back to the next athlete. So she's been racing professionally since uh, 2015. I think she did her first Ironman, like straight after doing her first triathlon, uh, and then turned pro, you know, pretty much uh, the next season. One Ironman Mallorca, one Ironman New Zealand, won some 70.3s. Um, 
Stefan Imen is on a couple yeah, of she's times. She's won four in her time, so mm. she's you know she's had a pretty good career. So when she's on, she's Watch really out. good. I mean, and she's rightfully so. She's ranked number sixteen in the world. So good on Jocelyn McCauley. Hopefully, she gets back from her injuries and woes, and we see her back uh, cranking it later on the season. So interestingly, Brett McMahon was seventy number three and uh, number three in your random pick. So he's obviously not in a great moment in his career, is he? Because he's, well, he's, he's he's forty two. He's at the end oh, of his career. Oh, okay. Is that oh, yeah. No, he's he's because uh, I tell you what, he's hanging he, on for dear life. He had some stellar races in his time. Yeah, you yeah, know, Brent Mart is is uh, he's a real deal. Yeah, he has been around for a long, long time. So he had a very, very long short course career. Um, raced at a couple of Olympics. He was one of those guys that was normally a sort of ten through twenty guy. Yeah, okay. Not, not necessarily guys going to be winning races. He would definitely be on the podium, doing really well in sort of second tier races, maybe World Cups, and he definitely had some wins. Um, we only had two according to his World Triathlon. And World Cup, hundreds, hundred starts, ten podiums, two wins, and that's across you know all different yep. World Triathlon events. Um, but yeah, and then he went long. He started to go long about 2014, did he? Oh, and he just smoked it. Yeah, that first year he won Philippines. He did a lot of 70.3s. Mm-hmm. So he got a second in St George, Philippines, 14th in the World Championship, Augusta 70.3 won, and and won Ironman Arizona. So it came in strong. And he had that string of sub eight performances. So his That's first right. Ironman he went 755. That's right. His next one he went 745 uh, in Brazil. He got a ninth in Kona. Um, uh, then we went to Arizona. I mean, just missed out. Went eight hours and fifty-seven seconds. Um, but he had multiple uh, sub eights. When sub eights weren't really a thing, he went to Brazil again in twenty sixteen. Went seven forty-six. He got he got ninth in Hawaii this year. It was his best Hawaii finish. Yeah, he hasn't had much luck in Hawaii. So yeah. uh, he's, he's on the Bahrain and uh, yeah, Bahrain team for 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 a while. Uh, so he's had a long and very good career. Also, won I'm in Wisconsin. Mm. He saw that happy was what he did. He uh, like that, no. and that, I remember watching that. He won it uh, last year. Yep. Uh, and it was quite an emotional one when you're at the very end of your career, just thinking, I've just got to do one more good race. I've got to have yep. one more race. And uh, and he did it. And he went bloody fast as well. He went uh, 8.36. No, that's not that fast. Oh, that's not that fast. <laughs> I was thinking it was only went really fast. But he beat Cody Beals. And Cody Beals is no slouch. So he spam 49, rode a 4.47, 2.51. And he won it by 14 minutes. So if it's 42 now, did he, did he stay in the short course too long? Uh, Do you, like, if yeah, you look at his career, because you know, like, he was kind of like a third tier short course guy, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, so... He seems to have switched over from, he did the Olympics in 2012, so he did London, and then obviously started to go, next year he must have stayed 90 year a little bit, because he did only did the 70.3 world champs, at least based on PTO, um, and then 2014 was that crossover. Yeah, so he crossed over when he was 30, if he's 42 now, and he crossed over in 2014. So he's about 31. Yeah. You know, like for a guy like him, and then mm. did really well, mm. especially that first year. Mm. Do you think? Yeah, you should definitely, definitely argue that. Yeah. But he was the number one dog in Canada for a long time. Oh, was he? Um, I don't think there was anybody. Well, I suppose, no, Simon Whitfield was above him, but um, but that would have been very early in his career. So he would have got good support and, and security from oh, being okay. on the, from the National Federation yeah. and, and doing all the, you know, probably doing a lot of the Canadian races. So probably did okay. And yeah, you probably just get that security and maybe you didn't want to. And then all of a sudden you do it and you go, whoa, shit. Is pretty good at this. Is any idea you guys right now? Who you go, mate, just go to short, go long? Um, or do you not really care enough about the second and third tier? Yeah, I don't, to be honest. Yeah. And you don't get to see no. whether they're weapons on the bikes necessarily. 
There's a guy called uh, Jonas Schomburg who's this German dude who just attacks all day. So he'd probably actually do really badly at long course. Because he can't contain himself. Um, but he does look to be pretty strong on the bike and he's a big, lanky, tall guy and yeah. he can swim on the bike and he can actually run really quite well. But he's also the other guy that comes out of transition and he sprints the first K. Like he's often first, you know, maybe in front of Yi and Wild and all that. And you're just going, what are you doing? Uh, a Peter Robinson, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Peter Robinson then carried on and won it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas this guy often, he, he actually... He hangs in there okay, but certainly more in the the, the late but teens. But you think a guy like that who knows he's probably not going to win it, the strategy is break the guys who are my competitors. Mm, yeah, you know, like you know, you, you, yeah, you sprint away. You know, Yi and Wild well, are going to pass you, mm. but you know, you know what? But if I can break the guys who maybe were going to be my competitors, because mm. where does he normally finish? Anyway, I'd say anywhere between fifteen and forty. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, slow down. Yeah, but that's the thing. You've got to tr- you try different things, and you go. That approach is going to get me to the finish line quicker. Or you try another. The next time you go, I'm going to sit in the pack and try to run an even pace, which gets me to quicker. It may be that this attacking early um, works for him and will get him there quicker. And he'll just try to latch onto people, hang on for as long as he can, latch onto the next person. I'd personally find it a bit demoralizing when you're just constantly getting passed by people and you're yeah. just out the back door. Anyway. anyway. Anything else about Brett McMahon? No, just a, he's had a fantastic Ironman career. Um, very long, short course career. Got to go to two Olympics. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And he's still 73 in the world, and he's 42. So he'll get his little end-of-year bonus. It might be much, but he'll get a little yeah. bit. And I think he's into sort of coaching and stuff now as well. If they send me a bonus. Whoa, I've just got a wing of the week. Winger of the week. <laughs> good old Tim Franklin. I don't, you know, he's won. Uh, uh, this may not but be he's correct. He's not swimming or biking. I know, but 85 hours of running? Mm. That's impressive. It is, but we've got to do a bit of fact check here to make sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not just left his watch on trick. Yeah. Saying 11 sessions. He's done a lot of running in the last little period. Yeah, no, he's doing something crazy. Look at that. 60Ks. So on 28th, he did 60Ks. TRTW, day 57. Don't know what that means. He did 60 on 61, uh, 68 on the 27th. He must be trying to run... God knows what he's trying to do. He's, but trying to, he's doing like 60Ks a day sort of thing. That's 85 hours of running, not just Ks. Mm. That's incredible. Tim Franklin, whatever you're doing, you're an absolute bloody nut bar. But we okay, let's, let's do a triathlete rather than a runner. Oh, here we go. You've got no love. <laughs> wait, wait, we just look at Tim. He, he's, he's not a fast marathon. He's done a 308. Oh, don't get me wrong. That's that's not Ted. That's that's a good runner, but it's not like John Newsom level. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, tell you what, Forrest Gump in it. Okay, who are you gonna pick? We're gonna go number thirty-eight. See what that does. Number thirty-eight. Are they a triathlete? Are they swum? Have they, they biked? Have they run? No, no didn't swim. Polo, Sorry. you should have swam. You're the CEO of something, but you didn't swim. Yeah. Okay. Next one, thirty-one. We yes, have, we have a winner, Joe. Rogalski, he did 16 hours and 27 minutes of training from 14 activities, swam 1 hour 59, biked 12 hours and ran 2 hours 26. Nice work, Joe Rogalski. That's absolutely beautiful. And he is from I love the photo. I love the photo of the hair. Yeah, he's got a bit of, well, he hasn't got a mohawk, but he's got this sort of headband on that gets his hair all spiky, uh, riding a bit of, bit of trainer road action. Pretty consistent trainer. Had a bit of a break around Christmas time for about three weeks. Ramped the last three weeks up nicely. Had his, you know, his, obviously his main part of the season, June through October, pretty consistent. 
pretty consistent. Nice yeah. work. Nice work. Bah- I love your his, work. His, his run, his bike that he did yesterday, bash him in the head. That seems to work. <laughs> the banddoc.com. Give your activities the name they deserve. Tower's 31 on the trainer. Nice work. Love mm. your work. Okay, let's go questions and, and answers. answers. Good old Tony Hodge sent you, you crap, not me. Because I asked the question, you gave bad answer. Yeah. So basically she was saying, lack of piece of evidence. Last po- podcast, so Zwift Hub is not just riding on Zwift. When you said that, I thought you were talking crap. Yeah, well, no, I, and I know I knew that I was wrong. Um, oh. The Zwift Hub won the award at the Global Triathlon Awards oh, yeah. for Bike Innovation. <laughs> and you said Zwift Hub, and I just... I said, oh, just, missed just it. riding on Zwift and just didn't think. Of it. And the reason I think didn't think about it is Zwift Hub. There, it's a new trainer that's come out. It's a new indoor trainer, and it's nothing new about the trainer. It's a good it's steady trainer. It's just decent. the price point. Yeah. And so they cost, I think, four hundred ninety nine US. What do you normally pay? Basically, close to double that. You know. And you're getting the ability of what you pay for double. Yeah. 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 So it's basically. So it's a, a no-brainer. If you're going to get a trainer, you get it Zwift. Well, yeah, it's it's a lower end trainer. You know, it's got it. But if I if if I was a consumer, unless I was doing 100 percent of my training indoors, I would get one of these okay. um, because it's just. What cheaper. is the difference? Well, the, if you're going to have a full fully integrated indoor setup, and you're going to have like the kicker climb that goes yep. up and down and things like that, um, and the other ones will perform slightly better, but really doesn't matter. Do you use a kicker climb? No, don't have one. Would you want one? No, I don't do enough indoor training, and I don't really want to do any more indoor training. Yep. That being said, after this, I'm going home, and I'm not actually riding on uh, a kicker today. I'm riding on a um, man of choice. The fly, fly with the rev box today. Why? Uh, it just works on your efficiency a bit more. It makes a shitload of noise. You don't want to be doing it in the morning. It's actually a lot quieter than the old ones, um, but you can do a lot of single leg stuff, and you just got to. Put, it really makes a lot of noise if you don't pedal smoothly. Okay. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And so, so you got to try to get it, getting 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 that pedaling action nice and smooth, and it just gives you a yeah, it gives you a full workout all the way around your pedal strokes. So, a few clarifications: the World Seventy Point Threes and Ironman World Championships are not self-proclaimed; they are registered and approved by World Triathlon. You go. So I got two things wrong last week. Right. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Man, what's that about? Yeah. Now, just one thing here. Actually, I'll do this, and when we get to um, okay. what, what's what, was, what, what even was my quiz? My quiz question this week. Oh, I see you one. didn't even do it. You skipped over. I think. Did we have one? Who got second and third at the inaugural PTO races last year? Because I was Where thinking, is it? under John's weekly quiz, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <is> too. <laughs> so who got? Because we always go on about um, these yeah. races. Who actually got second and third at the PTO races last year? And bonus question. Named second and third at the 70.3 World okay, Champs last year. So, can you do it? Um, 7.3 is, I can't remember who won them. Yeah, well, 70.3, Taylor Nib won it on the female team, yeah. side. And Torsten, not Torsten, um, one of the Nor- Norwegians uh, won it. Oh, um, yeah, Gustav was, Eden? Yeah, he won, so he won it. Yep, yep. And I'm pretty sure... Didn't Bloomfield get second? Because he was blowing up? And then he, no, that was, was a PTO, PTO race, race, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, let's focus on 70.3 Worlds first. Second and third, I think on the boys' side was Sam Long and Lionel Sanders, okay. I'm thinking. Okay. Um, no, it wasn't. The, oh, it was that another PTO race? What was the young Laidlaw? Where did he do well? Was that no, Kona? That, was, that was in Kona and that was, uh, yeah, so, 70, so 70.3 worlds on the boys' side. I'm pretty sure it was Eden, Sanders, Sam Long. And then on the female side, Taylor Nib, And I'm going... I think Jenny Metzler was either second or third. 
And I can't remember the other one. No, you're well off. Well um, off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the gills. Wait a second. They hit it here and then. Okay. Talonip, Paula Finlay, Emma Pallant Brown. Okay. Yep. I might have been thinking of the year before. the boys. Let me have a look here. 70.3 in the boys in Utah. Is it? Men 22. Uh, 70.3 world champs were. In Utah. Oh, I was getting confused the year before. Christian Blumenfeld took it out. Ben Knut and Magnet did live. So you got all of them wrong. <laughs> all the boys wrong. <laughs> and one girl right. <laughs> Sharpen up, Newson. Uh, and then what was the other races? The PTO races. Jeez. Uh, oh, so well, 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 we do know Eden took out one. Eden took out the Canadian one. The Blumenfeld was second. Gills? Uh, hold on, I'm going to try to think who was third because it's the second and third of the men's. We can name the winners. Uh, Blumenfeld was second and he just held off somebody that was coming on quite fast. And it wasn't Sam Laidlow because he started to struggle and he sort of went down the field a little bit. I can't think of it. What, what race are we looking at? So the Canadian Open. I've got the US. Can you get the US men? Yep. Colin Chartier. Yep. Magnus Ditlev. Yep. Don't know who got third. Sam Long. There you go, Sam Long. No, Female side was Ashley Gentle and she ran down Taylor Nib. Yep. And I reckon maybe Lucy Charles. Nice. Yeah. I guess so what was the Canadian? Canadian. I'm going Eden, Blumenfeld. Don't know. There's somebody who ran themselves into a good good, uh, good position. So Aaron Royal, remember? Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. I do remember that. Yeah, that was a big result for him. Yeah. The female side was definitely Ashley Gentle. I'm going to go maybe... You are good at Paul, this. Paula Finlay maybe got, got second or third. Yep, Paula Finlay yep, got yep. second. Do you want a clue for the last one? Yeah. Won the biggest race of the year. <laughs> oh, Chelsea Sedaro yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. So they only two opens last year, didn't they? Yeah. So you remember more about PTO than um, 70.3 games? I do. Yeah. I did get a bit confused because with the 70.3s, you had all those... Yep. Yeah, and they had two world champs, and they had it St. George a couple of times. So there you go. That's just a bit of, bit of defense. Okay, let's say a big thank you to our. But I think the point I was trying to make with that one is, in general, you don't remember who's got second or third. Oh, you asked me the no. question, who finished second and third a few years back in semi point threes? No chance. No, no, you, well, min, yeah. no minimal chance. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's say thank you to our patrons. We have got some awesome patrons. Uh, Jeff the Explosion Curry, one of my all-time favorite names. We got Alan. Iron Palm, how do you say that? Kipter's Chan. Kipter's Chan. And Paul the Madman Mitchell. If you want to become a patron, please do. We love your support. But nervous about you just put somebody's name in here and you haven't put anything about it, so I'm probably feeling like I'm going to get told off about something else. Well, you're not actually John, but I'll go there in a second. Uh, if you want to get your email to oh, so become a patron, go to our website, www.imtalk.me. Go through the patron process. We get some gestures. Basically, it's uh, while we're gifts and all the rest of it, it's actually just supporting us. Hmm. And, you know, what we often say is, back in the day, you'd buy a magazine, and we're kind of the new magazine. And we're not trying to sell you X-ray glasses in the background. <laughs> Remember those? Remember the comic books when we were kids? Well, the other thing, we had somebody inquire about advertising the other day. Oh, oh yeah, they're trying to get crypto. <laughs> and I said to Bevan, I think we'll pass on this yeah, one. It was yeah. somebody had like a cryptocurrency um, po uh, video podcast. And I was like... A, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. And B, not quite hitting our a lot target of people audience. Lost money on crypto recently too. So, Did they? Uh, oh yeah, because well, it was about a year ago now, but it basically lost mm. all its value. Not all, but like 
70% of its value. That's why he's probably got a podcast. It's right, does, uh, yeah. really, really well, probably. Um, also, if you're Swim oh, okay. set, uh, I'm not going to go through. Sorry? I wasn't going to do swim set. Yeah, I'm just going to say, if you want to do a good swim set, sometimes you just got to do the boring ones where you go and do eight 400s at a steady moderate effort. Is that what you did? We didn't do it today, but that's sometimes okay. you just got to go and do those it's sort of sessions. Boring crap. Uh, we want to show email to you. Same page on the front page. Uh, coaching, coachsonnewson.com. Anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com and cool websites, Edge of the Week and anything like that, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, what's your goss? Um, I'm still nervous about his name. It's just sort of sitting Do you know there. him? Uh, yeah, you do, yep. yep. Pearl Gillette. Peter Gillette, Peter sorry. Gillette. Yep. yep. I was doing the commentary at the Vine Run on the weekend. Right. Great local race. Mm-hmm. Really good. Half marathon, 6K, 10K. Small, well, community feel, fundraising for the Brain Institute. Um, lots of people doing really good race. Highly recommend if you like running in Christchurch. But he came up to me. Because remember last week on the show, I said, everyone should give me a dollar. Peter gave me a dollar. He gave me a, do- a dollar. I can't remember Yeah, I can't remember what I was talking about. But I remember saying, saying everyone they need to give me a dollar. Right. And nobody did, other than Peter Gillette. Right. And he came up to me, and, he, and he'd been listening to the show. He only found a show this year. Right. And he's done he's done Ironman New Zealand, he's done a few seventy point threes. He hasn't got a kid yet, so he's thinking maybe I need to try to get another Ironman in now. Yeah. He loved Ironman New Zealand, he'd love to go back and do it again. And that was a shit Ironman New Zealand. It was pissing down in the rain. Oh, was it? Well he yeah. loved it. Yeah. He loved it. And he said, um he really enjoys the show. He's just found it this year. He must have found out about the show through something you do. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's a really 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 nice guy, but he gave me a dollar. Nice. So mate. And, and I took it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say, I oh, don't worry, mate. I said, oh, yeah, put it in my pocket. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so, so that was good. But you yeah, really nice ne- Next race, you should just have a little bucket down yeah, below. Exactly. You. <laughs> just donations for the MC. Feed, feed me. <laughs> <laughs> so, well done, Pete. Thanks for, thanks for my dollar. Um, I'll, I'll put it to a good cause. I'll invest it. Mm. I once read a good investor dollar could make a million dollars in a year in your lifetime. Which mm. I don't know if that's true, but that's what mm. I'm going to try to do, Pete. Anyway, John, what's your goss? Uh, what's my goss? Yeah, I was race organising all weekend, so that's pretty much all I did. And uh, this week, we've got yeah, kids back at school. Felicity's first day at high school yesterday. Oh, jeepers, creepers. That was good. Get the kids out of the house. Because so oh, you work from home too, don't you? Yeah, pretty happy about that. Yeah. And what's today's? today's Tommy's th- year 11? Yep. Today's Jeez. the 31st, so my official road training starts tomorrow. What do you do tomorrow? What am I doing tomorrow? Long run. Tell you what. What's a long back run? Into the, uh, probably about an hour 45, maybe two hours. I did an hour and a half, hour 40 last week. Took me a few days to recover from that. <laughs> I haven't been doing much running lately. I haven't ran like six months. When yeah. I can get back to running, it's going to kill me. So it's been been nice, but um, yeah, it takes me a few days to recover from the old runs. Once I get into the swing of things, no problems, but haven't been doing much running lately. So uh, outside of that, Bevan... Yeah, it was just a big weekend. Last week sucked because I got home Sunday and then had a couple of days basically to get a race organised. So it was a bit of a shitty week. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this week being a little bit more normal. Nice. Starting with today's show. I had a good weekend, John, because two things. You went to Fatboy Sun. Well, I'll tell you about that in a second. But our friend Kate and Jeff, they've got a friend who must be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's money and then there's money. And uh, you know when you're going down Harper Ave? Yes, yep. great for our overseas listeners. Yep. Yep. And you see the houses on the left that are really mm-hmm. big houses. And is that one that's kind of black that almost looks I like don't a... I don't know that, but yeah. Oh, this, that was the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've gone overseas for a few weeks. And our friend Kate's a friend of theirs and they've got a pool. Mm. And she said, 
Do you want to use your pool when I'm away? So we went and hung around the pool. Oh. <laughs> Tell you what, yeah, that kind of made it be nice. Nice. <laughs> so we had it down the pool, and then I went to Fat Boy Slim. It's mm-hmm. heaven. And um, what a night, John. Yeah. You missed out. It was a coolish night, wasn't it? It was actually quite cool because it was pretty, it was a nice night, mm. and then it rained. Mm. So you kind of hour in, it kind of rained, but kind of a nice 20 minute rain. You mm. kind of need it because you're getting a bit hot. And then with about 20 minutes to go, it started pouring. Oh, yeah. But you kind of you didn't was care. that Friday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't cold. It was just wet. But mm. but actually, because it was awesome. If you if Fat Boy comes to where you are, go and see him because it's mm. just a great concert. You know most of the music, even the music that you don't know. He, he mixes of music from other people. Mm. Um, I do think he doesn't actually play anything. Mm. I do think he's literally got an MP3. Mm. Because it's matched to the video screen, mm-hmm. so what he's doing is absolutely. So I don't think he's. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's just dancing. So he's basically lip lip syncing. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's not lip syncing. Yeah, yeah, same uh, sort of thing. It may not be, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, yeah. I don't give a shit. I had a great time. <laughs> um, funny thing happened. So I went with Porno with about probably ten of us in a crew, and we were into it. And some guy comes up to me, and when I go to a concert, John, I let go. Yeah, I, I'm in. Yeah. And, and, and I'm and I'm the kind of guy who I don't need stimulants to do that. Mm-hmm. So I don't do drugs. I don't drink alcohol. I just love music and I let go. So I'm partying hard and a guy comes up and he goes, mate, you look like you're on it. Have you got any gear? Because I've got 400 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, mate, I don't actually. <laughs> so, so obviously. There's a little side business there for you. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should take some gear. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think porno or one of our friend Blair, someone was sniffing cocaine next to him. So right. so, and the demographic was definitely our age. Yeah. You know, there 40s. weren't many young people, yeah. 40s and up. Yeah. You know, you, Fat Boy Slim is not... 20, and actually, last week at the gym, I think I may have said this. I was teaching for a young girl, and I said, "I'm going to fat boy," and she said, "Who's that?" Mm. So, and I said, "You'll know his music." But, <laughs> but great night this year. I'm going to as many live concerts as possible, and it was a good kickstart to the you year. You didn't go to Elton John the other day. Well, I'd seen him a couple of years ago, mm. and we don't get many concerts in New Zealand. That's why we talk about that. If you'd lived in Christchurch in particular, yeah, you'd get a, go to anything every weekend. But down yeah. here, not much happening. Now, we're getting a new stadium, which is probably two or three years away. But twenty-six. Is it what it is? Okay. Mm. So when that's done, we should get mm. better concerts. We were thinking about going to Chili Peppers, but it was a bit late. Mm. That was down to Dunedin. But we Cannon Crows. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that last yeah, week. Like yeah. That. And Electric Avenue is coming up in a few weeks. And I know nobody. I, I'm, I'll go solo. I don't give a crap. Mm. Yep. I'll yep. Go, so, me and all my mates. <laughs> and actually, last when I went to the Killers before Christmas, I'm standing in the line by myself, <laughs> walking yeah. up. And then Porno and his friends, Porno and he goes at concerts over, and they literally arrived in the I just did by myself because <laughs> they had seated tickets and I was on yeah. the ground floor. I don't like sitting. Oh, no, I don't want to go to a concert and sit. Yeah. I want to be able to rock out. There you go. Unless it's like a really calm concert. Mm. But because the Counting Crows, unfortunately, they don't have a standing area. Yeah. Make your own. Yeah. Well, I will be there. <laughs> yeah. Everyone says, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> you never know, got what's up this week? No, I was supposed to be going mountain biking for a few days over the weekend at uh, West Coast Wilderness Trail. Highly yep. recommend that if you're coming to South Island. How long are you riding? Well, it's just two days, sort of 50, 50 to 70 Ks. Okay. Really easy riding. We did it with the kids um, a couple of years ago. And Belinda can ride it and she's... Okay. Really not a bike rider whatsoever. Uh, so good, but beautiful scenery. However, the forecast is three days of rain over there and we're on the other side. It's basically a mountain range that separates where we live in Christchurch to the other side of the island. So over there, it's going to be raining and shit. Over here, it's going to be like 30 degrees, sunny and beautiful. And so we're having a, a, a summit tonight and uh, coming up with plan B, I think. 
because three days of riding in the rain. If you've got a real purpose to it. Especially if it's going to be studying here. Yeah. I think I'm going to put up the old pass. Yeah, I'm out. That's it. I get it to wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia car. Yeah.